I think the right way to kind of grow a business but keep your soul is to really treat your customers right. It's just the right thing to do. Hey guys, it's your girl Ashley Graham and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy Joey Price. If you're really good at keeping customers, you can spend more to get customers. It's simple math. If your customer value goes up, everyone in sales and marketing gets a raise and bigger budgets to go after new ones. So if sales and marketing leaders want raises and bigger budgets, they need to be making noise in support of greater investments in customer service. Michael Redboard is a general manager of the service hub at HubSpot, and he scaled the support and success teams from a startup to a publicly traded SaaS juggernaut. A noted writer, speaker, and leader, Michael is ready to share his experience at HubSpot with you and to help you re-envision what success looks like for your business. Here's a hint. It is all about the customer. Hey, Michael, thanks for joining the Business Life and Coffee podcast. Thanks so much, Joey. I'm really, really happy to be here. And thanks so much for the flattering intro. Hello to all the (laughs) listeners today. You're welcome. Hey, let's jump right into it, man. Give me three reasons why making customers more successful is the key to business growth. Sure. I think that something that we all know intuitively is what I would say for the very first one is that it's much, much easier to get your next sale from a customer as opposed to trying to go back to the pond and find a net new customer. An existing customer is always easier to get that next sale out of than that uh, customer that you don't have yet. And you have to go find and acquire, right? That's number one. Uh, Repeat customers are just great like that. And you can generate a lot of revenue really quickly. That's number one. Number two is that happy customers will actually become your best marketers, right? So not only are they great sources of revenue to grow your top line, Right, but they're also great sources of advocacy uh, to acquire net new folks. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of us live in fear of what customers might say bad about us, but there's actually an incredible amount of power in what customers can do when they really love you. And they can help you then grow your business. And I think then just the last one, um, and this is maybe a little bit more of a divisive comment, I think the right way to kind of grow a business but keep your soul mm-hmm. is to really treat your customers right. It's just the right thing to do. I actually think it's sort of an ethical point where we should treat our customers really well. And um, you, know, you, you should love your customers. They should love you back. And that's the right way to grow better. No, I couldn't agree more. I think the ethics of business is super important because why are we in business? We're in business to make a successful life for ourselves, but we're here to add value to the community. And I don't think that you can ethically add value while taking advantage at the same time. I totally agree with that. If you're trying to make a positive impact on people around you, you need to take the high road. And part of that means treating your customers well. And if you do, all sorts of other good stuff happens too. Yeah. And so Michael, HubSpot at this point is a household name, but could you talk to us about HubSpot, what it does, and really the origin story of how it came to be? Sure. So nowadays, HubSpot's a pretty big software company, right? We're publicly traded and all that. But of course, that wasn't the way it always was. And nowadays, we provide software for small, medium-sized businesses to do marketing, to do sales, and to do service, right? But when I started at HubSpot back in 2010, uh, man, that was like eight years ago and change. Um, you know, we, were a little, we were a little baby company. And I think like most companies that have really big growth aspirations and really want to make a big impact on their communities and on, you know, on the world and on their customers, you know, we had done a lot of things right and we've done a lot of things wrong. And so one of the things that I think was really um, in our DNA back then, which we were able to change uh, over time, was that we didn't really think about our customers in the same way we do now. We didn't value them. Some of the stuff I said just a few minutes ago about them being the best way for you to grow, right, that a happy customer uh, 
will spend more, that they'll help advocate for you. We didn't really have that in our mindset. We were really, really focused on just acquire new customers, build that marketing funnel, get traffic, and then, oh yeah, by the way, there'll be a customer involved and then like something happens and I think that's where we make the revenue, right? And I think back then, we didn't really think that way. As we grew, our mindset changed. I think we evolved in a lot of ways that I think are really interesting to talk about and dive into sort of the changes that we made along that journey. Yeah, so Michael, that's exactly where I wanted to go. You read my mind, man. So let's say you joined the company and do you remember which employee number you were at the time? Yeah, it was like somewhere in the 80 to 100 range. It was, we're honestly going so quickly with hiring and with firing, it was sort of hard to tell. Okay, so <laughs> growing from, a, from an 80-person company to now, where are you all right now? Uh, you know, we're somewhere around, I think, 2,400. So you have like significantly seen a rapid growth in the company. What's the experience been like through each of the various stages? Mm, yeah, really good question. So I think when you're small, and for us, you know, 80 is not a small number, but we think we thought really small and we acted pretty small. Uh, in other words, we didn't have a lot of sophistication on what we were doing. In that stage, a lot of what we were trying to do um, was really just acquire uh, customers as fast as we could, right? And the core number that we spent the most time thinking about, we spent the most airtime talking about at company meetings that our board slides obsessed about the most was just our customer count, right? And we wanted that number to go from, you know, 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 to 10,000 and all that. It was a really acquisition-focused environment. And as a result, we didn't really think that much about what happened afterwards. I, I worked on the service team, you know, doing support and trying to make a customer successful. And we did, and we were proud of the work that we did. But from a company standpoint, I don't think it was really part of the mindset. It wasn't, like I said before, part of the DNA of who we were back then. We really, really spent 90% of our time focused on that acquisition trying to grow our funnel. And that worked for a while. And I'll be honest, for a lot of you guys out there trying to grow your own businesses, that actually does work for quite some time until the point comes at which you start to say to yourself, huh, there must be like a better way to grow. And acquisition is getting trickier because, you know, that next search term is going to cost that much more money or that content marketing is getting more expensive and saturated or whatever it is. You start to look for new ways to grow. And that's when we had, I think, our first epiphany with regard to our customers and our growth, which was that, huh, if we can make our customers more successful, they'll be more valuable, but they'll also engage in this kind of advocacy action. And we really changed a lot of the ways that we ran the business to invest more in the service team, to treat our customers differently, to even change things like our terms of service to be a lot more customer friendly, to enable more customer success and more customer advocacy. Nice, nice. You're listening to Michael Redboard. He is a general manager of the service hub at HubSpot. And one of the cool things that you might not know about Michael is that you've heard about the company scale from 80 to 2400, but he actually scaled a customer success team from zero to 250. What are some of the guiding principles that you apply to make such a significant growth in your team? Yeah. So we think a lot about, you know, sort of the traits that somebody has as opposed to the skills. So a trait is sort of who you are, how you're wired, and a skill is something you know how to do and something you can, you know, get better at by studying or doing more. In other words, some things you can teach and some things you can't. And so we're really obsessive about the traits. And I think that when you go to hire somebody to work with your customers, you're placing an incredible amount of trust in that individual as a business owner, right? Or as somebody, you know, that really cares about the outcome there. And so what, what should you look for? I think you should look for like a lot of of empathy. You need someone that really, really cares. And that's something we, I think, have tried to over-index on um, as much as possible is empathy. That's number one. Why do you rank empathy so high? In some I, circles, in some circles, empathy yeah. could be a casualty or afterthought or, you know, not even on the radar. But why is empathy such a focus for one of the fastest growing SaaS brands in the world? I mean, you could take empathy and you could malign it as inefficiency or, you know, over-serving a customer or something like that. But it's my belief that at the end of the day, if you're empathetic, you're human, and you work with customers kind of the way they want to be worked with, that pays off 
hugely. And in fact, I would rather err on the side of being over empathetic, even a little bit inefficient at times in order to get that outcome, get that customer love and make sure my customers are getting everything that they need. Because to me, the opposite of that, of being too cold, of underserving your customers, of refusing to bend, of being, um, you know, creating an impression in your customers and in the marketplace that you're unfriendly. Uh, that's one of the worst things you can do for your brand and for your business. So I really like to err on the side of empathy. Awesome. Awesome. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just want to harp on that point because when we think about the attributes of success, especially for someone who is coming out of a B school or is going through the traditional models of how to build and scale a business, empathy is not always at the forefront of the conversation. But in the changing landscape of uh, the way business is done now, what I call it the Yelp generation, where everyone is going to offer a piece of their mind, whether you want it or not, and there are public forums for them to do so, it's incredibly important for a company to treat their people well and their customers well. Because there, were, I was reading an article earlier that said, you know, it's, it's very hard to rebound from negative reviews about your company because people are just going to take that and say, oh, well, I don't want to work with them because they're jerks or I don't want to uh, hire this company because they suck with customer service. So I think that empathy role is something to really a key takeaway from our conversation today. So I wanted to spend some time on it. Yeah, I'll even throw one more comment in there. I mean, I said of some of the things that you should think about with your customers, right? You should think about them being a great source of future revenue, right? Because it's easier to settle a customer than somebody net new. They're a great source of advocacy. And then I mentioned that third thing up at the beginning of our conversations today, which was about, look, you want to like, want to treat them right because it's the right thing to do. I think the way that you make that happen is you hire people that have a certain drive, right? Of the sort that we're talking about right now to do the right thing for your customer, to take, you know, that next step when maybe they didn't need to. That's how you walk the walk of running a business that has that positive impact on the people around you. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, and then let's drill down a little bit. We talked about empathy as far as being a component of customer focused growth. But what are some of the rules you might share for a customer centric strategy where you're putting the customer first? How could a startup founder take some principles and create a customer centric strategy? Yeah, I think you need to think about two things if you're building a company and you want to be a customer centric company. One is that every single little thing you do, right, from, you know, the way that you write the headline on your homepage to the health insurance plan you pick for your employees, every single thing you do has has a non-zero effect on the customer experience. Experience. Sometimes it's small, but everything you do has some effect on your customers at the, at the end of the day. And so you need to think about that as you make decisions throughout the day. And that can you know feel like a lot of overhead, but if you can weave the customer perspective in there, I think you'll really grow better and you'll make better decisions on the long term. That's number one, that everything has an impact. And then I guess on the second point, when I think about sort of tackling any given problem, I want to approach it from a few viewpoints. I say, okay, for my company, for my own enterprise value as a startup owner uh, or as an executive at a growing company, right? I want to grow my company as quickly as I can. So let me create one solution set for that. Let me, let me create another solution set that is me walking in the shoes of my customer. And again, this is sort of putting on your empathy hat, approaching the problem outside in saying, as a customer, how would I want this to work? Right? And if you can kind of think about every decision you make as having some customer impact, so you don't get to dodge the bullet ever. And then think about every decision from a customer's standpoint point and from an enterprise standpoint, you tend to just explore the problem space better of how to be a really customer-centric company. And I think you tend to engender better conversations in the room and make better decisions on the long term. Awesome. So I'm leaving this for the last thing that we discussed because I think it's incredibly powerful. You have a quote that says, the hard truth about marketing is that nothing you create is as powerful as what your customers say. And I am a big 
uh, proponent for being intentional about your branding, whether that's personal branding or your corporate branding, because I feel like your brand is your reputation. And ergo, your reputation is what customers say about you. But why is the customer's voice so important? And why does it supersede anything that you could pitch to the marketplace? Yeah, I, I think that sometime in the past, a brand had a lot more control of its reputation than it does today. You mentioned earlier, Joey, like kind of the Yelpification of the world and a lot of user-generated content reviews for everything, right? And, you know, maybe it was a few decades ago, but back in the day, it really didn't exist. And consumers didn't have direct access. A potential consumer didn't have direct access to what a current customer thought, right? But now before I buy anything, the first thing I do is Google it. And if I don't get an answer, I go ask my friends online too, right? And so I think nowadays, it's actually a brand's customers that really define that reputation. That's just a massive shift in sort of the balance of a power that's out there. And I find that, you know, you can put out as much marketing that says, we're great. We have amazing customer experience. We love our customers. But if I Google your brand with what's it like to be a customer review and I find a bunch of bad reviews, I'm going to be really cynical about your own marketing perspective. I'm going to believe your customers nine times out of 10. And so I just think the balance of power has shifted like radically over the past couple of decades. Um, and we're at a point where customers really define what the marketplace thinks about you. And that means you need to play a little differently with your customers and you need to manage your brand differently too. All right, Michael Redboard, the general manager of the service hub at HubSpot. Definitely someone to listen to. Anytime you can ramp a team up from zero to 250, you're doing something right. Uh, so in the parting thoughts, Michael, is there anything that you'd like to share for the listener and any info that you'd like to plug about HubSpot, what you're doing for the for entrepreneurs and uh, where people can find you online? So, you know, I think a lot of businesses think of themselves as a funnel, right? You go and acquire more traffic, you take that traffic, you convert it, and then out pops customers and revenue. And that works pretty well, right? But I think the really better way to grow and to take advantage of a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here is to try to think of your business not as a funnel, which is sort of linear, but as a flywheel, which is much more of a cycle, right? Where you do marketing and acquisition, you convert that into revenue, then you have a customer experience. And if that customer experience goes well, it helps you grow better back into marketing, right? I think that's just a really nice way to think about your business. And so we're, we're trying to walk the walk on this with a lot of the software that we have at HubSpot. So if you're interested in HubSpot uh, and some of the new things that we're up to, you can go to hubspot.com service, read a little bit more about our service products that hopefully enable you to create great experiences for your customers. If you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Find me on Twitter at my last name, at Redboard. Be happy to continue the conversation. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? Only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at jumpstarthr. Jumpstart HR, let's build a better business together. Thanks for listening to the Business Life and Coffee Show with Joey Price. We hope you're inspired to become the best version of yourself after listening to our guest. What thought or idea stood out the most to you? Keep the conversation going by tweeting the show at BizLifeCoffee or our host at Joey V. Price HR with the hashtag BLC Moments. And if you like what you just heard, pass along our podcast to at least five people. Detailed show notes can be found at www.businesslifeandcoffee.com. And our full archive is available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been a Jumpstart HR production. Join us next time for another edition of the Business Life and Coffee Show.